Mankind has always had a fascination with the incredible. Engineering feats that defy belief. Works of art that speak to the soul. Scientific discoveries that change the world. Scenes of nature that awaken our senses. We call them wonders. But the greatest wonders of all time were the miracles performed by one man almost 2,000 years ago. The world had never seen anything like it before, nor has it since. So let's be amazed again at the seven wonders of the world. and think, you know, things could really be better. They're okay, but you look at different situations of maybe something going on at work or maybe something going on in, in the community or maybe it's even something going on in your family or, or you just flip on the news and you're like, wow, that's kind of messed up and, and somebody needs to do something about that. Have you ever thought that? Somebody needs to do something about that. But have you ever stopped to think about that that somebody could be or might be you? Now, most of us, when we look at the big things out there and the, and the problems and, and that we see and that we're aware of, we're like, oh, I don't know if I could do anything about that. And we have all kinds of different reasons why. Well, where would I start? Who would I talk to? What am I supposed to do? Or, you know, maybe nobody else would be quite as excited about this project or this effort as I am, and I hate to get out there all on my own and kind of be embarrassed. And, or maybe it's just like, you know what? Somebody needs to do that, but I got enough going on in my life right now. Don't give me one more thing to do. So hopefully somebody else comes up with this. Or maybe that's just not, you know, how I'm put together. That's really not my makeup. I'm kind of a, you know, more of a, you know, I'm a supporter. I'm not really a leader. Somebody else can, can go off and run with that. And or sometimes we just defeat ourselves before we ever get started. Like, well, yeah, I could do that. Probably, probably wouldn't work anyhow, and it, it wouldn't make a difference. And, and I don't know, you know, what good would that actually do? And I think a lot of us, though, look at situations in life and think, I'm just one person, and there's nothing special about me, and so whatever that problem happens to be, I'm just not the one who's going to take care of that. But not everybody thinks that way. For instance, there's this guy named Josh Allen. And Josh Allen is a businessman out in Montana, and he um, manufactures dog toys. And dog to it's called W-O Design. Woe Design. Has anybody ever bought a, a dog toy from Woe Design? Well, Woe Design, W-O stands for widows and orphans. And one day he became very concerned about the widows and orphans in the world, especially in Ethiopia. And here's how the plan works. When you buy a dog toy from Woe Designs, Woe Designs buys two meals for widows and orphans in Ethiopia. And to date, 125,000 meals have been given to people in Ethiopia because one businessman in Montana is like, you know what? I don't know what I can do, but I'm going to try to do something. Or you could take, for example, uh, a woman by the name of, oh, sorry, a guy by the name of Mike Arsenal. Mike Arsenal Jr. actually is an executive now with Walgreens Corporation. But several years ago, he was thinking about that, what could I actually do? And he got this idea. Walgreens gives a lot of uh, uh, um, vaccinations. 
And his question was, well, we give vaccinations here in the U.S. What about all these places in the world where uh, kids are not vaccinated? They can't afford to do something like that. And he went into the corporate headquarters at Walgreens and said, hey, I'd like to start this program. I'd like to do something, a, get a shot, give a shot is what it was called. And for every person who comes into one of our Walgreens stores and gets a shot, I'd like us to give a shot somewhere else in the world to a child that wouldn't otherwise be vaccinated. And so diseases that can be eradicated can be dealt with that way. Or maybe you can be like Liz Bohannon, who was a young woman who I think did a study abroad in Uganda. And she was just struck by the fact that, that other women in Uganda had no chance of going to college because there just wasn't the funds available to do that. And so she decided that she was going to have to do something and she got this idea to make sandals. And so she made these sandals, and she hired Ugandan women to actually help her make these sandals. And as they went to work, that gave them the money to actually go to college. Well, this business grew. It's called Seco Design. You can find it now. Actually, it made it all the way to Shark Tank. And it's now the largest shoe exporter in East Africa. Because this one girl said, you know, I have to be able to do something. Well, we hear those stories and we think, well, I could never do that. That's not my makeup. But I think if you met those people, they would be like us. Well, no, I never thought I could do something either, but I just decided to give it a try. Even locally, some of us know people like Norma Okonski, who, if you've ever visited Oakland Hope, that's really her brainchild and her heart and her passion that somebody, uh, one of the pastors in the area said, hey, Norma, do you think you could build a thrift store and, and food center? And she took it and ran with that. Maybe some of you have met Dana Bosnack, who's the pastor of, uh, the, the, the wife of pastor at um, LifePoint Christian Church, who one day decided that she'd like to do something for the, the disadvantaged girls in our community and uh, started the well, which is, uh, you can drive by that. It's at... Uh, Voorhees and whatever lake road that goes through there. I lose track of my lake roads in this community sometimes. I think it's Elizabeth Lake. Um, she's just now started another project, too, where kids, girls are aging out of the foster care system. They've actually bought a home where these girls can go to. It's kind of a transitional house. And if you've met Dana, Dana's just kind of like you and me. Some of us, some of you have gone over and, and packed buckets at Draw. Greg Martin, just another guy in the community, is like, we've got to be able to do something who go through these different uh, uh, tragedies and especially natural disasters. And I share these names, and we look at those and go, no, that's not me. But I asked the question this morning, well, maybe it is you. And maybe it's not something that's going to be spectacular, but there are needs in our community and there are people in our community in all kinds of different directions where you have either the opportunity or the inroad or the ability or the gift or the God to make it happen. And so that's the story that we look at today. There was this tremendous need that needed to be met. And Jesus stood and looked at one of his disciples and said, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> And that disciple looked at back at him and said, what am I going to do about it? I'm not going to do anything about it because I have no ability to do anything about it. And Jesus said, no, 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 I beg to differ with you. You need to meet this need. And so this morning we come to our fourth wonder, the fourth miracle of Jesus that's recorded in the book of John. 
And this, unlike the first three that we've looked at in the book of John, this is a miracle that appears elsewhere in the Gospels. In fact, it appears in all four Gospels, the other three. So all four, and it's the only miracle that Jesus performed that actually makes it into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, the fact that it makes it into all those Gospels suggests to us that this is a very important, a very significant miracle. And yet, when you look at the miracle, it was the feeding of the 5,000, which was a miracle that was good for about, what, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 hours until the people were hungry again. And so the significance of the miracle wasn't the fact that people were fed. The significance of the miracle was what happened there with Jesus. And John picks up on that when he goes through his book and he records these miracles. He always says these are signs. It's not just about the miracle, it's about the miracle worker. And when we look at this story, which is so, so, so familiar, we look at this and this tells us something about Jesus. But in the process this morning, as we look and and we learn about Jesus, we're going to learn something about ourselves as well, especially as we look at this idea of what do we do when we come face-to-face with needs around us. So when John writes this book, he talks about the deity of Christ. And one of the reasons he wrote this book, in fact, the primary reason for writing this book is that we could read this and believe. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God. He is equal to God. And so we could believe in the deity of Christ. But it's also about his person. And what we see here all throughout the book, and especially again this morning, is we see a God who is engaged with us. We just sang about Jesus as the generous giver. And so just in a quick review here, we, we see that in the story of the water to wine, we see that Jesus is engaged at a wedding. And he, he keeps the party from being ruined. And, and he brings wine when there could have been water, and he doesn't just bring wine, he brings fine wine and great wine to the party there because he cares. But we also learn about that, that Jesus is in the business of transformation, and he can change us or he can change the situations that we're in, and he can make something better out of it. We've looked at the royal officials some, where we learn that Jesus is the God who's always present. And even though he stood in Cana and a sick boy lay in Capernaum, 20 miles away, Jesus was able to heal him. And whatever the need that we have in our lives, Jesus is that present today that he can meet that need. Last week we talked about the lame man at the pool, and we discovered that Jesus was the God who heals. And not just physically, although he said, take up your bed and walk, and the man walked, but also spiritually because he came back to the man and said, hey, this life you've been living, let, let's, let's get that turned around. And he can heal us physically, spiritually, but also emotionally, relationally, mentally. He is the God who heals. And so we come to this story this morning, the feeding of the 5,000. And if you grew up in Sunday school, I mean, it was like a staple, right? Every year you got to hit that story sometime. But what can we learn from that story that tells us about who God is, who Jesus is, and not just, though, what does it teach us about Jesus? I want to add to that this morning. What does it teach us about us? Or what does it teach us about our situation? Or what does it teach us very specifically about making a difference in the world? Well, this story is told in John chapter 6, so let me encourage you to turn to John chapter 6. And let's read through this story, make a few observations along the way, and then come back to that idea. 
of making a difference even when you think that you can't make a difference. So, verse number one, John chapter uh, six. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far, uh, excuse me, crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, sometimes called the Sea of Tiberias. And the reason that Jesus is going across the Sea of Galilee here, there's been a lot going on. First of all, John the Baptist, and some of this we learn when we look at this story in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John the Baptist has recently been executed. And so I'm sure there's an emotional strain that's on Jesus at that moment. The disciples have recently come back from their missionary journey. And so Jesus is wanting to debrief with the disciples and to see what they've learned. And he's also been in, in, in you know, kind of in a high-energy, high-intensity ministry season where he's done a lot of healing of people. And so you see Jesus getting into this boat, and he's heading to the other side of the sea because he's looking for a break. He's worn out. There's tons that's been going on, and he's looking for a little bit of respite, but it doesn't happen because a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the, here's the word again, signs he had performed by healing the sick. And so as Jesus gets into this boat, the crowd sees him out there in the lake, and they are tracking with him on the the shore. And as, as the boat's going across there, they're running as fast as they can, trying to get to the place where the boat's going to land. And so Jesus lands, and he goes up on the mountainside, verse number 3, and he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish uh, Passover feast was near, and that's just a, a time marker for us. But then Jesus looks up, and he sees this great crowd running towards him. And he turns to Philip and says, where are we going to get bread for all these people to eat? And Philip says, uh, you can hear that long. Uh, and finally he comes up and says, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough food for each one of them to not to eat, for each one of them to just have a bite. And what Jesus is doing here is he's asking him a question, but not really asking him a question. He's actually making a statement. Hey, Philip, <laughs> if you want to feed these people, could you pull it off? And Philip's answer is absolutely not. What you're asking is impossible. Well, we're told in the other Gospels that Jesus sends the disciples out into the crowd to take inventory. Go out there and see what resources we have to work with when we're going to feed these people. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, verse number 8, speaks up and comes back and says, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And so we get a few more details there. Just that they have found this young man's lunch, and, and, and we don't know the age there. He could have been anywhere from 8 to 18 just a youth there, but they, they bring his lunch back, and they hand it to Jesus, and they're like, okay, this is all we got. <laughs> we checked with everybody. There's not much to work with here. Here you go. And Jesus says to them, well, go ahead and have the people sit down. And there's plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And Jesus took the loaves, and he gave thanks and he distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. 
And we're told in the other Gospels there that it wasn't Jesus that actually distributed it. It was Jesus that broke it. He gave to the disciples, and the disciples, with whatever receptacles they had, baskets or, or dishes or plates or whatever, went out, and they served it to the people. And everybody had as much as they wanted. And when, In fact, when they had enough to eat, he says to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered and filled the 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And we see this great miracle take place. And I'm not sure that everybody even was probably tracking with how great it actually was. Because you're just sitting there and somebody passes the basket along and you're like, oh, okay, there's something there to eat. And you take that out. But I wonder as they started to be passing around, the people started like, where are they getting all this food? Like, you know, I saw them get out of the boat. They weren't carrying a whole lot with them. And check out how many people are here. And probably gradually it starts to dawn on the crowd what's going on here. Like Jesus is like creating this food, not out of nothing. He started with something, but essentially out of nothing. And after verse number 14, after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, whoa, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. And there's a shift here. And that these people are starting to realize that it's more than just the miracle. It's the miracle worker. And that's John's point all throughout his book. But these people are even starting to get it. It's like, whoa, who is this guy? Because I think we'd like to follow this guy. Because first of all, he's pretty good at the food thing. And so let's follow him for the food. And, and unfortunately, that was more real than, than, I'm not just making a joke there, but they also saw him as maybe the answer to like this Messiah thing that they were looking for, and, and maybe he could be that Messiah, which he actually was, but, but he could kind of get rid of the Romans, and life could be so much better, and we could just follow him, and wouldn't this be great? You know, every day we just show up in the hillside, he feeds us and teaches us, and off we go. And so they start to get this idea of who he actually was. Now before it's done, and by the forward you get to the end of this chapter, the great bread of life discourse, Jesus has given that, and basically discouraged everybody and said, no, you're not understanding. To follow me isn't all about just, you know, having great big meals here. To follow me is hard and difficult, and people are like, eh, I'm not sure you're, that we're into that so much. But we see this start in the people's mind of, oh, this could be more than what we realize. But Jesus, knowing that they attended to come and make him king by force, verse number 15, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So when we look at this story, what is it that we learn about Jesus in this story? And how does it impact us when we ask that question, well, what am I supposed to do? Because most of us, if I say to us this morning, hey, you know, God's probably got something where you can make a difference in the world. You would look out there and like Philip say, yeah. But check out my resources compared to what this world looks like here. So what do we learn about Jesus? The first thing is this. Jesus prioritizes the need of people. Jesus prioritizes the need of people. There we go. Over his own fatigue. It had been a rough season of ministry. Jesus is looking for a break. And he's heading that direction when all the people arrive. And what does he do? He turns around and heads right back into the people. And I love that, too, because you can never wear Jesus out with your needs. 
And when you need him, he's not walking away so that he can get a break. He's turning around and looking at you and saying, okay, what's the help that you need? And Jesus always prioritizes the needs of the people. That's the needs that we have. But as we look at Jesus, that's an encouragement to us as well, isn't it? Jesus prioritizes the needs of the people over the available resources that are, that are there. And a lot of times we decide what we can do in a situation because we take inventory of the resources that we have and decide whether or not we're up to it. So, well, there's a need right there, but I would have to volunteer time, and, and my schedule is just full, and so I don't think I can do that because I don't have the resources. Or there's a need over here, and maybe I could get to that, and maybe even financially, but I just checked the, the, uh, the bank statement, and it's like, well, not this month. That's not going to happen because I don't have the resources for it. When Jesus saw needs in the community, the resources were not an issue. The need was the issue. And that's a good reminder to us, too. If we want to make a difference in the world, that we need to be need-oriented way more than we are resource-oriented. Because we see in this situation that resources follow when we take care of the needs of people. And so we see in this situation here we have a God who is generous. We have a God who is gracious. And again, like every miracle, and, and I'm repeating myself and I realize it, but it's such an important point. Every miracle received was an act of grace. There wasn't a single person who lived on earth when Jesus walked earth, where Jesus walked up and said, oh, you're such a good person. Let me do something nice for you. Every single time a miracle was performed, Jesus walked up to a person and he generously did for that person because he's a God of grace who meets our needs, not because of who we are or what we've done. In fact, meets our needs and cares for us in spite of what we are, in spite of what we've done, because he's a God of grace. But here's the truth that we take away from this first point. If Jesus prioritized people and needs over resources, then we need to prioritize people as well in needs that they might be facing. And so we can look around in our families, our workplaces, our schools, our community, and say, oh, whoa, there's a need. And instead of stepping back and saying, but I couldn't, to say, well, let's not go there because that's a resource question. Instead, let's say, what needs to happen and step into it and see what plays out. Secondly, Jesus sees challenges as opportunities. And when he asked this question of Philip, he's not really asking a question to learn something. He's asking a question to teach something. He's saying to Philip, hey, Philip, there's a huge need right here. There's a huge challenge. And you know what? We're going to have to figure this out. But I love that even about faith is the fact that when we face challenges, Jesus sees them as opportunities we label them as things like problems and roadblocks and hazards and disappointments and frustrations. And we have all of our negative words for those challenges. And Jesus looks at them and goes, oh, no, 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 no. See, because of this right here, when it's all taken care of, you're going to know that it's me. And so when we face challenges. We don't need to be defeated or discouraged by that because there are opportunities for Jesus to reveal himself. 
There are opportunities for Jesus to reveal his power. There are opportunities for Jesus to actually teach us things. There are opportunities to engage us in the realm of the supernatural. And hang on to that thought for a second. But because Jesus sees problems as opportunities, that's the challenge for us too. We look at the world and say, oh, wow, there's a need there. Oh, there, there's a problem there. Oh, there's a bad situation there. That should draw us to them instead of push us away. In our natural response to that is like, oh, I don't think I could do that. Where we need to look at that and say, oh, somebody needs to do something about this. There's a tremendous opportunity here that shouldn't be wasted. But let me go back to that last statement I made there about it's an opportunity to engage us and to invite us into the realm of the supernatural. Here's the third point. Jesus uses people to accomplish his work. Jesus uses people to accomplish his work. As you think through that story over and over and over again, the disciples are the ones who are the doers here. Jesus says to them, you feed them. Jesus says to the disciples, you go find out what resources we have here. Jesus says, you have them sit down and sit them down in groups of 50 and 100. So he must have been telling them, you go take a count here too. You go pass out the food. You pick up the leftovers. And he keeps over and over and over again. This whole miracle was performed in a sense by the disciples. Now Jesus was multiplying the food, but what was Jesus doing? I'm guessing he was standing there. I'm sure he wasn't running around to every basket and continually touching it. And so Jesus was providing as his disciples were actually serving. And it's this idea of a partnership. And we talk about, uh, Kim mentioned it already in the announcement this morning, we talk about excelling in mission. Our mission is simply this, is meeting needs around us. So that's, that's meeting the needs of my family. That's meeting the needs of the person who sits in, in the row next to me at church. That's meeting the needs of the person that I work with. That's meeting the needs of the neighborhood. That's meeting needs. That's what our mission is, is meeting needs. And Jesus uses people to accomplish his work. Last night, I had a great time. I uh, went to uh, a lake party on Williams Lake to watch the fireworks, and uh, uh, one of the people in the church says, hey, that, that lives on the lake says, come on over and uh, maybe you want to invite the international uh, people from Connect the Nations. And I was like, that is a fantastic idea. So last night, I think there was 10 or 12 people from Waterford Community Church, uh, part of the outreach team and, and a few extras. And then there were 10 internationals from our community that got together. And we sat around and we ate and we talked and we rode the boat and we uh, watched an incredible fireworks thing. But there was something going on there last night that I think is supernatural. Just because some people were willing to show up and put themselves out there in a little bit of an awkward situation because you're meeting a stranger and you're asking weird questions and trying to find out. But that's how Jesus does things. He uses people to do his work. And yesterday morning, there were people from our church down at New Springfield passing out food to help those who are, are dealing with food poverty in our community. Jesus uses people to accomplish his work. 
And I think it's even interesting when you talk about the food pantry. What, did Je- what was the work of Jesus in that day? It was simply to feed the people. That was his work, and he used his people to do that. And that's a reminder to us that Jesus uses people to do his work, so we need to realize that each one of us is one of those people. It's not that he uses this person and this person and this person. It's that he uses this person too. Fourthly, Jesus does extraordinary things in ordinary ways. I love this about the story. I mentioned this before. Do you think that people were really realizing what was happening? But it was a very ordinary day. They just sat there, and somebody passed the tray along. And it got to, to me, and I pulled out my meat and I, or, or my fish and my bread, and I passed it on to the next person. And it was just a very simple, ordinary thing. What do we do every day? We eat. Sometimes when we're in a crowd, we pass, we pass the tray along. But a lot of times, the great things that Jesus does in, in our stories is just in those moments of passing the plate. It's just in those moments of passing the bread along. And Jesus can do extraordinary things in ordinary ways. And sometimes we're like, okay, I'm going to step up here, and, and I try to make a difference, and I'm like, well, nothing really happened. Oh, yeah, it did. It's like, okay, so uh, maybe I went down yesterday, and I, and I passed out food there, and nothing happened. Oh, yeah, it did. Because Jesus does extraordinary things using ordinary means. And sometimes we sell things short, sell our efforts short, because they seem so ordinary. I'm just passing out food. And Jesus, oh, but you don't know what I'm doing with that. You don't know the difference that I'm making with that. And it's oftentimes that we look back that we realize the impact that was made. Well, there's a fifth thing here, too. It's this. Jesus gives us power that exceeds our potential. And the potential of the disciples there was basically to feed one boy with a lunch he brought. That was fine. Jesus didn't need any more than that. Jesus just needed that lunch, and he needed the availability more than he needed any particular ability. And that's a reminder to us, too, where we look at situations and say, oh, I don't know if I could do that. You can't. You're correct. It's not about you. It's about the God who is able to multiply the efforts that we make. And so because Jesus brings the power, we don't need to be afraid of not being big enough for the moment. And that's where we get. We look at situations, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can make a difference there. If you want the truthful answer is, no, you can't. But you don't ever go into that alone. You don't ever pass the the plate, the bread, on your own. When you go into this saying, God, I want to be used, and whatever work that you're doing here, you go into that with his power, and that's way more important than your potential. I think of you, I mentioned some names there at the beginning. If you, if you talked to Liz Bohannon and said, hey, one day if, if you're going to be running this huge corporation in Uganda that's going to be empowering women and getting them to college, she probably would have laughed at you. She said, no, 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 I'm just trying to give somebody, one girl here, a means to make enough money where she could get to school. But look what happens. It wasn't her potential. It was God's power 
that was behind that. Here's the big idea. And we've talked about this. What is the sign? What does is, what is this sign teach us about Jesus? Here's what the sign teaches us about Jesus this week. He is the God who multiplies. Jesus is the God who multiplies. He expects us to do our part because it's an expression of our faith. And we see that throughout the miracles here. Turning water to wine when he said, hey, go draw the wine. And he gave responsibility to the people to go draw the wine. And, and when he healed the, the, the royal official's son, he said, go back home. And, and he gave him an action step to take. And to the lame man last week, he said, pick up your bed. And he gave him an action step to take. And when he gets to the, to the miracle of feeding the 5,000, he says to the disciples, go feed them. And God is the God, Jesus is the God, who takes our efforts and he multiplies them. So here's the question for us this morning. Are we willing to make a difference in our world? Are we willing to make a difference? Because God's willing to use you. So it's not a matter of saying, hey, God, could, could you please do something big here? With me, it's a matter of, God, what is the big thing that you're doing that you can involve me in? And so it's not necessarily even a, a, a big deal where you have to come up with it. It may just be simply saying, God, make me aware of needs around me and of how I might be a part of that. Maybe it's simply with feeding people who have needs. You could be a part of what we're doing at, at New Springfield or, or Oakland Hope. Maybe it's with friendship. We do this, these, these international events, and I think this would be true for the, for the people who have done them, is, is I'm always surprised at how much those people want friendship. I mean, it's kind of scary. Think about that. You're from some foreign country, and this person invites you to go to somebody's house you've never met. Why do they come? Be, because they really need friends. If you're going to say, okay, I can be a friend here, maybe that's what God wants to do to use you. Maybe it's helping with schoolwork and reading. I'm excited that, like, maybe we can get back into Grayson School this fall. The last year we were kind of on the outside there simply because of the pandemic. But maybe God can use you in that place. And we have worked as a church to try to identify areas where you can plug in. But what would it look like if we all said, you know what, I'm going to engage here. And it could be it could be helping in in Faith Mountain, or it could be serving in the nursery, or, or it can be something that even that you're doing at work or or doing in the neighborhood on your own. But God, Jesus, wants to use us and engage us. And sometimes we sit there and like, okay, yeah, you're right. I want I want to do something big for God. That's not the point. The point is that God does something through you. And there's a huge difference there. God's not looking for you to do anything big for him. He doesn't need it. God's looking, though, to do something big through you because he wants you to experience that. And can you imagine, finally the crowd went away and finally Jesus, well, he sent the disciples out, and Chris is going to talk about that next week. And they went out on a boat, but you, can you imagine what the conversations were about that night? 
wow, did you see what just happened there? That was crazy. I mean, we had that one lunch, and whoa. But I wonder in your story, I wonder in your life, if you came to Jesus and said, okay, make me aware of the needs around me and then use me in whatever way possible, I'm in. What would happen? We've been talking about a wonder every week, and the first week we wondered how many chapters in the book of John we could read and, and read, I don't know, well over 500. And the second week we talked about um, praying for our kids, and I think uh, the last account it was like 139 days of prayer for kids. And we haven't totaled up. Last week, just small acts of kindness. This week is simple. We've got um, the Lemonade for Hope coming up this, this uh, weekend. Last year, we raised over $1,000 just in four lemonade stands. This is what I'm wondering this week. How much money can we raise for that? There's a need out there in our community. And we can be a part of, of Jesus meeting that need. And so that's the wonder. We'll, we'll get a number back from, uh, from the uh, lemonade stands next fall. But you can be a part of that. You can show up. And by the way, if you show up, that's a great way to represent the church in the community. I know some of the lemonade stands last year, people were like, where are all these people coming from to this lemonade stand? It's like, oh, they're from our church. And so it, it's a great way to, to, to promote that. But that's what we're wondering this week because we have a God who multiplies. And he can take our efforts, even as simple as something like a lemonade stand, and he can do something pretty crazy and incredible with it. He can take our little and make a lot out of it. Let's pray. Jesus, we celebrate you this morning because every one of us comes here and we have doubts and we have fears and we really question our ability to make a difference. I suppose we're right in many ways, but we know you and we know that you are a difference maker. We know that you're the God who cares, God who meets needs. And Jesus, I just pray for each of us sitting here this morning or who's watching at home that you would just, just speak to our hearts and convince us of the fact that we don't have to be something great because you are. And convince us of the fact, though, that you want to use us. So our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Let me just offer this challenge to you this morning. Would you pray, would you make this commitment in your heart to say, Jesus, if you will show me a need and identify a step for me, I'll take it. It's a big, it's a big thing to say. But Jesus, if you'll show me a need and identify a step, I will take it. Would you make that commitment? Maybe the commitment that you need to make today is simply to be a Jesus follower. It's not always easy, and, and Jesus says that, but it's always worth it. Because he wants to take you, and he wants to make your life something it's never been before. And something it could never be without him. And he offers forgiveness, and he offers freedom, and he offers the hope of eternal life. But you have to make that commitment to Jesus Christ, to be his follower. And I would challenge you to do that this morning as well.
And so, Jesus, we stand in awe of you this morning. You took a small lunch and you turned it into an incredible meal. Wow. Don't let us miss the significance of it, I pray. And then, Jesus, I would ask that you would this week make us aware of needs and just tug on our hearts so that we do what we can do, so that you'll do what you can do. And we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? music to dismiss by, so we've got ice cream on the lawn, and uh, so head on out the front doors there, and if if, uh, if you don't get enough, just get back in line and let us go until it runs out, and we're going to leave Pastor Mark with the responsibility of ice cream until everybody is eaten satisfied, and we're going to take up 12 baskets worth afterwards, all right? You're dismissed. Have a great day.